You're listening to Simple Roots Radio, episode number 136. And today we're talking about a really big subject in metabolism, and it has to do with your nervous system. Now, I don't want that to be overwhelming, but I'm just going to leave it there. This one matters. Welcome to Simple Roots Radio with Alexa Sherm. Alexa believes that simplicity in life is the key to achieving true and lasting health. And now your host, Alexa Sherm. Welcome back to this podcast. As always, my name is Alexa and I'm the host of today's show. And I just want to remind you that this is the place to get healthy, live happy, and find more joy. Today, we're in episode number six of our metabolism series. And I've had so much good feedback come in that you are really loving this series. So if you haven't been following along or this is your first time here, welcome to Simports Radio. We're so glad to have you. And right now, we're in the middle of a metabolism series. And that started in episode number 130, talking about why calories don't matter. And inside this metabolism series, we've broken down everything from why we don't binge on broccoli, hormones like leptin, we've talked about the black hole of fitness doom, and so much more. So if you haven't followed along, make sure you go back and listen to episodes number 130 until now, so you get all the understanding of how metabolism works and why it's so much more than what the diet industry is telling us. In fact, I hope today's episode is really enlightening on how we can fix our metabolism and really just find more joy in life. Now, today is like an intro subject of something that we're going to talk about much later on this spring as we dive deeper into emotions and another fun series I have coming up on anxiety. So stay tuned for all of that. Like I said, today we're talking about the nervous system and how it relates to metabolism. Now, everyone is shutting down just because I spoke the words nervous system. I know it's super overwhelming, but I'm going to give you the clear, basic information that you need to know and why it matters in your metabolism and your health. This right here is critical information that we must know in order to get healthy and start to learn to work with our nervous system so that we can live a more fulfilling and relaxing life. So stay tuned for that. But before we get to today's show, again, go back and listen to all the episodes of the Metabolism Series. Also, head on over to the show notes at simperitswellness.com backslash one three to get more information on today's show, additional resources that you're going to want to check out and a free download that specifically goes along with today's show and it's about breathing. So check that out. It's so great. And like I said, I know that you're going to love today's episode. Also, coming up the first week in March, I'm going through the hormonal reset. I do it once a quarter and that happens to be the beginning of March. So I'm just throwing that out there. I'm going to give more details in the following podcast as we get closer to that. But if you want to do a quick little reset, this isn't a cleanse. It's not um, some crazy diet, but it literally is just to help reset your body to get back on track and get those hormones flowing again. So I don't really have a ton of symptoms right now, but it is always so good to get that refresher and my body feels so energized and really it just helps me to create new habits every time I do it. If you want to get more information about the hormone reset, just head on over to Simperitz wellness.com and click on the hormone reset to check it out and to join me. Like I said, I'm going to be going through it the first full week in March. And I think that you'll love it too. It's one of my most popular courses. So many people have gone through it and hundreds have seen such great testimonials. Like sometimes it still blows me away. So make sure you check that out. It's only five days. You can eat a lot of great food. In fact, there's no hunger involved in this. Just changes in what you eat and how you live and I guarantee results on the other side. So make sure you check that out. But for now, we're going to dive back into today's show, talking about the nervous system and why it matters to your metabolism. Remember, stay tuned for the end because I'm going to give you 
five ways that you can reset your nervous system and start to push it back into balance. So what do I mean by all this? Well, today we're going to talk about the autonomic nervous system. And I know that's a big crazy word that you really don't need to know, but the autonomic nervous system is a system which controls many bodily functions like digestion and blood pressure, heart rate, urination, pupillary response, respiratory rate, sexual response, body temperature, electrolyte balance, production of body fluids like saliva and sweat, emotional response, and metabolism. Some actually state that how healthy our autonomic nervous system is exactly related to how healthy our metabolism is. I mean, this is big, big stuff. And honestly, it's one of my favorite subjects. I think the nervous system and how it relates and intertwines into all aspects of our body is fascinating. So when we look at our autonomic nervous system, it's divided into three divisions. We're going to talk just about two today because the third division as one that's kind of related, but it's kind of not. I mean, it's kind of its own entity too. So we're just not going to dive a lot into that. We'll save that for another show. But the three divisions are the sympathetic nervous system, which is often referred to as your flight or flight response. We have the parasympathetic nervous system, which is our rest and digest phase. And then the enteric nervous system, which is confined to the GI system. So again, that's the one that we're not going to jump into today because It has its own functions and is inside the autonomic nervous system. I mean, it just gets a little more confusing. So we're going to stick with the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system and why that matters to your metabolism. So let's quickly break this down. And then I'm going to tell you what are the only two ways that interact with this nervous system, with the autonomic nervous system, because you're going to start to see all of the podcasts combined up until this point just fall together, hopefully, and this will all make sense in your mind. So First of all, the sympathetic nervous system, which is our fight or flight response. This is what we would consider more of our stress response in the body. It performs tasks like relaxing the bladder and speeding up the heart rate and dilating your eyes. Essentially what it's doing is it's increasing the release of cortisol in response to a stress. Now we know that cortisol is a stress response in the body, which also correlates highly to inflammation and how our body breaks down muscle mass and produces more fat. This phase is often referred to as a catabolic phase, meaning it's breaking down different substances in your body to create energy. But on the other side, if we're not using that energy, it can be one of the most anabolic or building phases of our body. So what do I mean by that? So what happens in your body in response to stress is that your sympathetic nervous system is going to automatically go into play. And what this means for your body is that cortisol is going to be released. Things like your heart rate is going to increase. More of your energy is going to be diverted to your muscles and further away from your organ systems. So essentially, we're diverting energy from our organs outward to our muscle mass in order for us to quote unquote, survive whatever the stressful situation is. Because in our body, stress is perceived as a threat. It doesn't know that most of our perceived threats today have to do with us just sitting at our desk at work, right? Or sitting at home or in the car or are these quote unquote life circumstances that require no external energy. However, this hasn't always been the case, right? Perceived threats came from things like starvation or hunting or being chased or, you know, just living in harder times. So things have changed over the years, right? And this reaction to stress has also changed, but not in the sense of what is happening inside of our body, but the full length of the process that our body goes through. So what do I mean by that? Like I said, sympathetic response in the body, this 
fight or flight response releases cortisol. And what cortisol is going to do is it's going to signal to your body that you need energy. Even if you're sitting in your desk chair, right? Like this is a perceived threat. So it's gonna tell your body you need energy. And it's gonna start to pull energy, like excess glucose stores that maybe you have stored up in your liver or your muscle cells to be used as energy. But the kicker with this is that what we find is that people are under so much stress that we run out of those reserved glucose stores very quickly and then our body converts to a new source. That new source is muscle mass. So what we often find is that the spike in cortisol or this rise in the sympathetic nervous response is going to increase the rate at which your body breaks down your own muscle mass stores, convert it to energy, and if you're not using that energy, it's actually one of the best places for that energy to then be converted over to body fat. So this is this crazy process, right? Like that we don't want to believe is true, but that stress can equate to body weight, even in the absence of food. And this is what's so fascinating to me and why metabolism is so much bigger than calories, right? Like under stress, your body can actually break down something that's metabolically active, your muscle mass, and convert it directly into fat stores just simply based on the state of your nervous system. And there, that right there, if you get nothing else out of this, this is the big point. Your nervous system controls your metabolism and all these other functions of the body simply because this is our number one survival mechanism of the body. So that's what the sympathetic nervous system does. In short term, the sympathetic nervous system is a really good thing. In fact, we want to see a healthy balance of the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system. We're not looking to get rid of one or the other, but what we're looking for is that homeostatic balance. And so much of our lives is just thrown off of balance. So we're going to talk about how to get that back. So don't think we're just trying to eliminate the sympathetic nervous system. It is there for a reason. Like it's the most critical response. It's also one of the fastest responses in the body. As soon as a threat is perceived in the body, your heart rate will start to go up immediately. Your breath rate will probably change. You'll probably start taking shallow breaths. Your blood pressure can change. Like you'll be more excited and you'll feel more of this flow of energy towards your muscles. That's the sympathetic nervous system. So essentially in the sympathetic nervous system, like I said, it's an increase in cortisol, which often leads to an increase in body fat stores. But what happens is digestion is going to slow. Your mouth is probably going to dry. You don't need to go to the bathroom anymore. And really, our body is just preparing for a battle. That's what the sympathetic nervous system is, which is also funny because if we look at the sympathetic nervous system and we start to realize this is a stress response in the body. So the more stressed you are, the more likely you are to be sitting out in the sympathetic nervous system. So you might notice this, like if you... um, You might notice this if you sweat more easily or if you're constipated or if you find that you're drinking a lot, but you don't have the need to urinate or uh, you have dry mouth, right? Like there's so many things, heartburn, there's so many things that can be related to uh, excitatory sympathetic nervous system. This, in fact, is where most people camp out. And it's unfortunate because if we're camped out in the sympathetic nervous system, because of the survival mechanism of the body, we won't be burning body fat, right? Like the only substance really in the sympathetic nervous system that our body can burn is sugar. And therefore, if your body's not producing enough sugar, right, it's going to make you crave more sugar. And thus, this process alone could be reason enough for your sugar cravings or for the emotional eating. 
we kind of broke down why like it's against your willpower to stop binging and craving things, right? Like why it's just in our in our body in the last few episodes. So go back and listen to that. But it's so true. This is just another point to show you that stress affects our body in huge and great ways. And so in order, again, to kind of get our body back to health, we have to start learning how to balance this. And balance it with what? That's what we wanna know. We need to start balancing it with our parasympathetic nervous system. And our parasympathetic nervous system is classified as our rest and digest phase. This phase helps maintain normal body functions, conserve physical resources, it controls the bladder, it slows down your heart rate, it constricts your eye pupils. Basically, it's going to bring blood back to your organs and your digestive system and help repair tissue. Interestingly, it also restores libido. So we all know, right, like stress is one of the number one killers of your libido, but that's because of the sympathetic response again. Remember, the sympathetic or stress response is for survival, for diverting our energy to our extremities rather than our organs, and no healing or weight loss happens there. But it does happen in the parasympathetic nervous system, and really, this is the only place that we see weight loss and healing. That's why it's interesting to me when people think that when they're up moving, right, like when they're working throughout the day, they think that's the best time to burn calories and to lose weight. Yes, you're burning calories, but it's actually not the best time to lose weight. The best time to lose weight is when we're sleeping because in that phase, our body is restoring itself, it's healing itself, and it's using body fat stores to do that. So the only time we can really lose weight or increase our metabolism is in this parasympathetic mode, this rest and digest phase. So again, the parasympathetic mode tells our body to send blood to our organs and away from our skeletal muscles, the opposite of the sympathetic mode. They work, um, they work opposite of each other. In this phase, we also digest food, we make hormones, we repair our muscles, we build strength, our body's in a state of relaxation, and this relaxation breeds for recovery. And the more time that we spend here in the parasympathetic mode, the healthier we are. In fact, this has been studied, and it's really fascinating. So just to give you an example, there was an interesting study published in the Endocrine Society magazine, and it found that obese volunteers participating in a 12-week dietary weight loss program found that successful weight loss had significantly higher resting nerve activity. So they were essentially in the parasympathetic mode compared to the weight loss resistant individuals who spent most of their time in the sympathetic mode. So again, the conclusion was that the baseline sympathetic nervous system activity predicts dietary weight loss in obese metabolic syndrome patients. So basically what they're saying is, is the more time that you spend in parasympathetic nervous system, your rest and digest phase, the more likely you are to lose weight and keep it off as opposed to those people who spend the majority of their time in the sympathetic phase. Now, like I said, we need both phases, the sympathetic, not to just beat it down, but we need it in a balance, right? And that's what we're looking for today. So how does the system work? How does the autonomic nervous system decide if it's going to be in sympathetic mode or parasympathetic mode? And this is the big thing that you need to know and how to change this. So essentially, your autonomic nervous system operates by receiving information from the environment and from other parts of the body. The sympathetic and parasympathetic system tend to have opposing actions, like we mentioned, in which one system will stimulate a response where the other will inhibit it. 
So they work in opposing directions. So the two ways to interact with the autonomic nervous system are one, nuclei that integrate sensory information. So it takes in information from your environment. And the second way is your emotion. <laughs> like your emotion, all those thoughts that we think that we don't think are having a control on our life matter. And this proves it. There's only two ways to interact with our autonomic nervous system, which means there's only two ways to interact with our metabolism, and that's based on our sensory information or the environment in which we're providing. And that doesn't always mean it's a truth, a true picture of our environment, but our perceived picture. And we know if you go back way back to the mindset series, we know that there's a difference between what is true and what is perceived in our bodies, in our minds. And the number two thing is our emotions. Your emotions are playing a huge role in this. So just to give you an example, because you can really feel this physiologically in your body happening. Think what happens when you get embarrassed, right? The second you feel embarrassed, what happens? You might start to blush. Your face might get hot. You might start to kind of get that fluttery feeling in your stomach. We can feel emotions happening. What happens when you're sad, right? Like you feel like all of your energy is depleted or when you're mad and angry and we see our body move into the sympathetic mode where we're kind of like raging in our extremities, right? Like we stopped processing things and food and we're just ready to explode. Also, we can feel this in happiness, right? Like you feel light, you feel excited, you feel happy, like you feel kind of relaxed. So we can see all of this. We can physically see some of them like our embarrassment or if we're excited, we can see our heart rate go up, our facial expressions change, right? So all of these things that we can see, but there are only two ways to interact. And again, that's nuclei that integrate sensory information and emotion. So that's like fascinating information that you got to kind of tuck in your back pocket because once I get into how do we fix this, how do we fix this balance, then this is all going to make sense. So again, like I mentioned, it's a balance that we're looking for. It's not just eliminating the sympathetic nervous system because it's critical. Like it's a natural response in the body. In fact, this is tested in infants when they're born. It's called the Apgar scale. You've probably heard of it. Maybe you haven't, um, but all infants are tested. I certainly know what that is. We had a few premature babies and they were doing Apgar numbers all the time. Um, but that's a test for the autonomic nervous system to see how their body's going to respond and um, response to different things that they do to the body. But when we go to look at the balance, what they found is that most organs have some kind of basal level of stimulation um, or basal tone. So what that means is over time, you've either created some kind of pair sympathetic tone or sympathetic tone to that organ. So what that means is if you're living in sympathetic mode too much, like your stress response too much, you're organs are going to consider that a tone. So that's really where they're going to kind of camp out. Like that's going to be their consistent or their normal. So let's think about heart rate, right? Like if if your body is going to be in sympathetic mode, your heart rate's going to automatically be a little bit more elevated. It's going to be working harder in order to maintain that in response to the stress hormones in the body. And so what it's doing is it's creating this excitatory tone to the heart where that just becomes your new normal, kind of becomes your set point. Like we've talked about weight set points before, right? These become your set point. We see this in all organ systems. I once, um, when I was really ill, I had excitatory kidneys. So my kidneys were kind of on overdrive. They were working really hard. We see this in bladder issues too, where people have maybe leakage or 
excess bladder infections. It could just be an excitatory response to the sympathetic nervous system. On the other hand, we can kind of create a parasympathetic tone to our body, which it's like the emotional receptors of our body. The more of whatever it's exposed to, the more receptors and the more normal that becomes, even if it's not a good normal, right? Like we talked about the negativity can affect our cells and make our cells more negative in general. So we create more receptors to whatever there's more of because your body has to pull that in. And again, it's a survival mode. So we wanna rebalance this tone. And what I mean by that is this is going to take time. It's not gonna happen automatically, right? Like some people are accustomed to stress because that's how they're bodies have been living for so long. And I I like to say that a lot of people carry around excess weight and it's not because they aren't eating well and exercising, right? You can go to the gym and you can see this over and over and over again. There are a lot of people who are in the gym every single day and eat way better than most people and yet they still carry around excess weight. Sometimes I really believe that that excess weight isn't just a means of something they're doing wrong, but it's emotional baggage that they're carrying around, like literal poundage on our emotions or our stress, right? Like that stress is causing a physical weight to our body more than just this burden that we feel mentally, but all over our body. And so that's creating a tone for your body. It's also why on the flip side, that if you can create more of a parasympathetic tone to the body, a more of rest and digest, we're automatically going to see less disease and we're going to see people lose weight and keep it off. Kids are really great about living in parasympathetic mode. In fact, one of the best ways to achieve this mode is actually through play. Um, And so kids, right, are great at play. It's a very relaxed state for them. Um, It's a very healing and nurturing state. It also is a really great state for them to learn and to grow in their minds because, again, their blood flow is through their organs rather than through their extremities. So play is a really great way and why kids don't tend to have these problems that adults do. And so we can recreate tone. It's going to take time and it's going to take repetitive behaviors of trying to balance out more parasympathetic mode and less sympathetic mode. So how do we fix our parasympathetic versus our sympathetic mode, right? Well, if we first know that our sympathetic mode is always associated with a stress response in our body, then we know that high stress situations are going to cause us to be in sympathetic mode. It's a survival mechanism. So of course, the best way is to reduce or eliminate as much stress as possible from your life. Now, I do realize that it is impossible to avoid stress in any and all situations, right? Like stress is always there. So I would rather look at it as not so much avoiding stress, but learning ways to deal with stress. And once we start to learn to deal with stress and push our bodies more into the parasympathetic mode, it becomes easier to stay there. And like in weight loss, it becomes easier to maintain that. Like that becomes your new set point of the body. I like to think of this as people who are maybe more apt to be positive and happy, right? Versus people who are maybe more anxious and negative. Those are learned behaviors that have occurred over time and that has become the new normal of the body. So even when you work to pull yourself out of it, you're naturally gonna see yourself slip back into that negative pattern, even though that might not be a healthy thing. Like it takes discipline and a little bit of work, but over time, you'll start to see this transition in your body, kind of like the snowball effect, where eventually you'll just start to realize like stress doesn't have the power or the stronghold that it used to in my life. And I'm better able to manage it and just feel more relaxed in general. That's what we're going for. So before we get to the tips, I do have three areas that I want to point out about why this matters so much. 
So like I said, one is under stress. We have to remember that when we're under stress, we activate the sympathetic nervous system, which is linked to adrenaline. So there are two big points that I want to bring up as it relates to the autonomic nervous system before we hop into how in the world do we get more balance, right? One is sleep because sleep is a really interesting thing. Now, here's the deal with sleep in your autonomic nervous system. And the full 24-hour cycle, the parasympathetic nervous system and the, and the sympathetic nervous system kind of has this flow where it kind of rises and it drops, right? They, they work opposite of each other. So what we see about sleep is that in this rest and digest phase, if we're living in sympathetic mode, we have a harder time reaching deep sleep, right? Because our body isn't able to go into the parasympathetic mode, which is needed and required for the restorative deep sleep right away at night. So what we see with sleep is that from the hours of 10 to 2, that's when we see our bodies plummet out of sympathetic mode, right? Like our cortisol cortisol levels drop and we're able to enter into that deep restorative sleep. And in those hours between 10 and 2 specifically, they found that that is the most healing restorative time for our body. So what they've found is that if you push your hours back, right, like if you're going to bed at midnight, you're really not going to hit that deep restorative sleep. And the reason is because around 2 a.m., your body's going to start to slowly release cortisol as it shifts over into this rest and digest phase and into a wake cycle, you know, to wake your body back up. So that can vary based on your circadian rhythm. But in most cases, it's really important for most people to sleep between the hours of 10 and 2 because that's your most crucial sleep period. And so what that means is if you go to bed late, you really won't have enough time to repair your tissues, to lose weight, to reset your hormones, all the things that are happening in the parasympathetic mode. You kind of miss that. So what that means is you really need sleep because sleep is one of the best times to enter in and create more balance and more tone based on the parasympathetic mode. So if you're going to bed at 11, you know, try to increase that by 15 minute increments until you can get to like 10, 15, maybe 10, 30. I mean, on a best note, it would be 10 p.m., right? I know some of you are night owls. But that just means like the later you go to the bed, the less likely you are to actually have a prolonged period of parasympathetic mode. So your body's kind of always be in the stress response. It's why we see night workers who just are always more unhealthy or have more, um, they're more prone to disease and weight gain just simply because they're missing out on such a restorative process in the body. And just so that's not like I can't fix it if I'm a night worker, totally. There are a lot of things that you can do to make this work. And I know a lot of people have to work night shifts. Um, And if you have questions about that, just email me. Maybe I can do a separate podcast on that. But what I'm saying is it's really critical to get restorative deep sleep earlier in the night rather than later in the morning. Because we see at two o'clock, three o'clock, for most people, cortisol is beginning to rise. And also why they find that sleeping in is actually a detriment to your health is because it throws off this whole cortisol, parasympathetic, sympathetic, Um, cycle that we go through in a 24-hour span. So sleep, that's one of the biggest things that I can help you in creating a more parasympathetic, relaxed, healthy state of the body is we have to have sleep. Number two is exercise. Now, exercise is really interesting and it's something that I feel like we need to talk about mostly because I still feel guilty for what I did to people back when I owned the gym. So coming out of the school, right, I had this thought that if there's no pain, there's no gain, right? Like so many people think of that Um, and that it had to be high intensity and the higher intensity, the better off it was. Now, in some cases, that is true. Like some people can handle 
high intensity workout and do really, really well with it. But we have to know that high intensity workout stimulates the sympathetic mode, right? It is a stress response to your body. So if you're in balance and your body is living um, kind of in this quote unquote harmony where you're in a good balance and you have a great parasympathetic tone where you can rest and digest, then you're going to see a lot of effectiveness of these high intensity workouts. However, if you're overly stressed, we see huge detriment if you just continue to stress your body out in sympathetic mode. So you take a good thing called exercise and you automatically make it a bad thing because now you're just stacking sympathetic um, activity on top of sympathetic activity. So if you are a highly stressed person or you've been doing a lot of intense activity and it's not working, I would encourage you to switch to something that's more relaxing and it's gonna push more parasympathetic tone like yoga or walking even swimming, anything that's a little bit lower key is going to be more valuable for you. Now, what I've found in my own life with exercise is that some days I feel more relaxed and more able to do higher intensity activity. Other days when I'm really stressed or I'm feeling a little ill, it is really harmful for me to do that. And I I have pushed myself to the point of exhaustion and burnout. But now what I do is I just cycle based on how I feel. So if I wake up in the morning and I just feel like I didn't get a good night's sleep, my body feels ill, or I feel like we're going through an overly stressful time, I'll just switch to more things like yoga or mat Pilates or just going on a nice walk. But in the other times that I feel like I in a relaxed state, things are going well, Um, I'm feeling pretty good, then I'll go with more of the high intensity workout. So I think it's really important to know your body and listen to your body, which brings me to the third point. Knowing your body makes all the difference. I promise that if you stop and listen, you can tell what mode you're in. Because again, things like your heart rate's going to be higher. You have a higher chance of sweating. Um, Your hormones are going to be more out of whack. Your digestion could be off. So you could have a heartburn or bloating or gas or irritable bowel syndrome. You could have um, fatigue, extreme fatigue, brain fog, because all your energy is going out of your brain, right? Like you could be hangry, have headaches, uh, low sex drive. I mean, so many things. Overly emotional, anxiety, all the things that we see with a sympathetic nervous system. On the other hand, if you're in parasympathetic mode, you're more likely to laugh or to relax. You feel more focused and motivated. Uh, You tend to digest food really well, urinating often enough, going to the bathroom regularly. You feel more positive, less anxious, all the things. So if you just stop, like hit pause on this and take a moment and evaluate where are you. No, like really hit pause and evaluate where you are. Because the only way we can start to change this is to understand how we can feel it in our body. Because once we start to feel that, then we can take in these next practices that I'm going to show you and really start to use them to create more of that balance, to push us out of the sympathetic mode and into the parasympathetic mode. And I'm speaking to my sympathetic friends because that's where most of us live. Like we've we've lived this stressful, high-paced hustle life for so long that most of us are just really camped out at the sympathetic nervous system. And I want to teach you how to get back into balance with the parasympathetic nervous system. So outside of sleep, listening to your body, knowing how to exercise, a few other things that you can do that have been found over and over. In fact, there are theories now based on this. It's called the polyvagal theory um, that recognizes the relationship to our bodily systems and life's experiences. Again, linking the emotions 
to how our body responds to certain situations and certain environments. And so if we know that, then we can understand why these next few things are going to make a difference. One is breath work. So what I mean by that is deep breathing. So one of the quickest ways for your body to determine if you're in sympathetic mode or in parasympathetic mode or to excite your sensory organs that are going to turn those systems on and off is how shallow your breathing is. So what they found is that prolonging an exhale actually signals to your body that you're not under a threat. Because what happens with stress is you start to take shallow, short breaths. So you're more... And I know that I used to just do this. Like this was my my way of breathing. I'm going to do a whole video on how we should breathe right because I think I wasn't the only one who was breathing so wrong. But deep breaths. So practicing breath work is exhaling longer than you inhale. And you really have to focus on this because for most of us, this is not normal. You don't have to do this all the time. But if you just focus on this, like when you're at a stoplight or when you're laying in bed to relax, or sometimes I'll set an alarm on my phone for every 50 minutes. I take a break from work um, for about five or 10 minutes and I'll just do three or four sets of deep breaths. So what that looks like for me is I inhale for two seconds, I hold it for about four or five, and then I try to exhale as long as possible, looking around like seven seconds is my goal. Now, obviously you don't have to quantify it, right? Sometimes it's just simply exhaling longer, like just taking a deep breath and just really letting the exhale hang on. And that can really push your body back into parasympathetic mode. So breathing is actually one of the quickest ways for your body to determine if you can relax or if you can't. So focusing on those deep breaths. The second thing is journaling or meditation or prayer, all of those things, right? Like just slowing down and focusing for a few seconds. I I very much am faith-based. And the reason for that is, again, it's a very grounding force, like to have hope in something greater. Um, And so for me, journaling and prayer make all the difference because it keeps me grounded in truth and knowledge. And I think that is the case for everyone. I think health without that is, is really fleeting. It's not satisfying at all. And we can't be as healthy. And so there's something to that. But that meditation has been studied over and over and over again, and it has really shown so many benefits. And again, it's that mind-body connection. So we really have to have some soul care in here in order to push ourselves into that and to be able to handle more of the sympathetic mode and push ourselves back into parasympathetic mode, even if the situation is somewhat stressful. Other things is singing and listening to music. Um, I mentioned playing, like playing cards, playing with your kids. Um, All of those things can push you in. Posture. They found that posture can make a really big difference because our posture, um, again, is another perceived uh, stimuli of the environment. So how you're standing can determine how your body responds to situations or how your mind is perceiving the situation. So being more slumped and hunched over is actually more negative and pushing you more in the parasympathetic mode. Good posture is actually linked to the parasympathetic mode. So the relaxed state, which brings me to exercises like yoga can be really great, Pilates, anything that helps with posture. Avoid stimulants such as caffeine and sugar and obviously going more on an anti-stress or anti-inflammatory diet, which I talk about all the time, right? Like a focus on real foods. Because here's what's also interesting is that 
in order to achieve the parasympathetic mode, you have to have the right amount of nutrients, right? Like it's so much easier to go into sympathetic mode because that's the survival mechanism. It's a little bit harder to go into parasympathetic mode because more of the processes there are healing and rejuvenating. It takes a lot more vitamins and minerals to heal and rejuvenate, to create hormones, to digest food than it does to exert energy. All the sympathetic mode needs is sugar and that's why you crave it. But the parasympathetic mode requires a really well-rounded diet and a lot of nourishment. So make that a huge focus. We're going to talk more about that in a bonus episode on Friday, but that's a huge, huge piece of the puzzle. Exercise, like I said, is a great way. Massage is huge. Um, Some people think that if you just got a massage even 30 minutes every single week, it could be one of the best ways to push your body into parasympathetic mode. Clearly, it's a highly relaxed state, right? Like everyone loves that. So doing something like that, but you could also do sauna sessions, vibration plates, all of that has been known to push your body back into this parasympathetic mode. And then the last thing I want to bring up is adaptogens and herbs. I want to talk a lot more about adaptogens after the metabolism series but basically they adapt to what your body needs and they are really great about reducing anxiety, helping you sleep better. I mean, really the goal of adaptogens is to help push your body into the parasympathetic mode or your rest and digest phase. So we're talking more about those. I'm going to link up some of my favorite adaptogens and herbs over in the show notes. But here's the thing. Once we recreate tone in our body more towards the parasympathetic nervous system, right? Like once we go over the course of time of really being disciplined to do these things, what we know is that our, our, they call it the autonomics, can recover and our brains can then once again handle more stress, inflammation, and disease from the cellular level up and throughout the entire body. So basically when we're living in an excited, sympathetic mode all the time, our body can't handle things, right? Your immune system isn't working well. You're releasing inflammation. Like all these things are going wrong and you have a way higher chance of having a disease and being overweight and really being unhappy, right? Then if we can push our body back into this rest and digest phase where we see healing and an evening out of inflammation. So if we can get our tone to be more parasympathetic, right? Like, and we can get our organs to be on board with that and trust that, Then when stressful situations arise and they will arise, we can handle that like a different person, right? Like a positive, encouraging, non-anxious human being. So it's really, really, really powerful stuff. And I think any of these things that I gave, right? Like it's a mindset thing, but it can come in breath work and singing and listening to music, staying grounded, relational, like all of this stuff is not hard to do. We just have to choose to do it and kind of let go of some of the other things. So With that being said, I created a handout to help you figure out a task or a thing that you're going to do to help push your body back into parasympathetic mode. I'm also talking about breathing and breath work over in the show notes. So to get that, go over to simplerootswellness.com backslash 136 to get all the information about that. In the near future, I'm going to be recording a video about how to breathe right this was life-changing for me because I was breathing so wrong and I think so many people are. So I'm going to record a video about that, but just pick one thing. It doesn't have to be a lot. Just pick one thing and focus there. I'm telling you, your body wants to be in parasympathetic mode because that's where healing happens. We just have to recreate that trust with our body that it can go there and create the tone in order to stay there. It's all about creating that set point consistency in the body. And these tips are some great ways to do that. Okay, deep breath. That was the autonomic nervous system. You crushed it. You stuck with me through it. 
give yourself a little pat on the back, take a few deep breaths. We did it, right? Like it wasn't that bad. I know the nervous system is overwhelming, but it is super fascinating and how it connects all of our mindsets to our biology and so much more. So I have some great podcasts coming up later on this spring that are going to go more in depth into the subject because it is really, really fascinating. I have a few guests that I'm going to have on the show, which I'm really excited about. People that I want to learn from, scientists who study this. So stay tuned for that. But come back on Friday because I'm going to share five places you should never eat and why. And it all relates to this parasympathetic, sympathetic nervous system. And like I said, don't forget to go to the show notes to get all the information on today's show. But come back Friday. You're going to want to hear that short bonus episode, five places you should never eat. In the meantime, take a deep breath. You did it. You made it through this. And I hope that was encouraging to you. We don't have to be subject to the life that we're living right now. Like this isn't the end all be all. If your life is overly stressful, welcome to the club, right? Like it's all a matter of how we handle that stress because life is always going to be stressful. So I hope that was encouraging. Keep me posted. Remember, you can always email me at alexa at simperitswellness.com. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook. I'm going to be doing some YouTube videos. So stay tuned for all of that. And don't forget to head on over to simperitswellness.com. Sign up for my email list because I'm going to be sharing more in depth into some of the ways that we can kind of de-stress our body practice soul care and self-care and what that looks like for you. So jump on over there as we dive into that together. In the meantime, that's it for today. I will be back on Friday with that special bonus episode. So I will see you then.